Hello, and welcome to Nixa Talk, the podcast for connecting the people of the asset management industry. I'm Nixa's Jeff Lamoureux, and in honor of Black History Month, today I'm excited to bring you interviews with three industry professionals, Chanel Frazier of BlackRock, Jamila Abston of EY, and Jennifer Simmons of American Century Investments. They sat down with me for about 10 minutes each to share their unique perspectives and experiences as black women in the asset management industry. They outline their career journeys, recount stories of how allies and mentors help them along the way, provide tips for how colleagues can be effective allies, and impart advice for those just starting their careers in asset management. From beginning to end, these are insights you won't want to miss. So let's dive right in. Chanel, thank you so much for joining us today. You're currently Managing Director, Head of Business Strategy for the Portfolio Management Group at BlackRock. Uh, can you tell us some about your path to that position and into the asset management industry in general? Sure. Jeff, thanks so much for having me. Um, I've been in the asset management industry for all of my career. Upon graduating from law school, I was a tax attorney at a law firm here in New York, uh, where the focus in my client base uh, included only hedge fund and private equity fund managers. Uh, I worked there for a number of years and eventually pivoted to a career doing international tax service work at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, and I'm proud to have been with BlackRock going on eight years, uh, starting as M&A Tax Counsel, uh, pivoting to a role as Chief of Staff for our investment teams, and now my current role running business strategy for one of our largest investment teams, the portfolio management group. Can you think of an example of during that career of a coworker or employer being inclusive that had a meaningful impact on you? Sure. The inclusivity that I would refer to is it lends itself to the conversation more of advocacy or sponsorship. Um, I had the great fortune of having a number of uh, individuals who I'd include in my board of advisors. Um, from a career standpoint. And one of them happened to be um, a mentor at BlackRock. And that individual, from time to time, we would go to meetings, whether it be internally and externally. And he would always come back with feedback, unsolicited, <laughs> but feedback nonetheless about the things I did well and things that I could have improved upon. Um, and I remember at one point in time, he came back to me and said, do you know why I'm giving you this real-time feedback all the time after every single meeting, no matter how small it is? And I said, I, I don't know. I just thought, just good management style. He said, it's more than that, Chanel. I want you to win. I want you to win personally and professionally, and I'm invested in you. And that was the first time in my career that I had heard anyone who wasn't related to me or, or just a good friend outside of work express those thoughts. And it was not only in his words, but it translated into his actions. And I've heard from other colleagues and other senior leaders how he advocated on behalf of me and my career in rooms that I had not been in at the time. And so it, it, it was far greater than inclusion. It was sponsorship and advocacy. So moving from the, that individual scale up to the firm scale, what do you think is the most important change firms could make to improve diversity and inclusion? Look, I think across the board in our industry, we are in quite a journey. But if I had to point out the single most thing that I think is important is to ensure that whatever strategies, commitments, and partnerships are put in place 
in this time, as we look at 2021, that we think about whether or not these strategies would work regardless of market cycle. If we are in a bull market or in a bear market, are these the things that we as, as leaders in the industry and the various firms that we will commit to, continue to put resources towards, and continue to champion? And that should always be something that's in the back of our minds. Because if we truly want to have systemic change in our industry, we need to have sustainable change. At the Nixus Diversity Project North America, we're one of the things that we're pursuing to try to make that kind of thing happen is uh, improving recruitment practices across the industry. Students, for instance, that we're, that we're trying to reach out to feel more like there's a place for them in the industry. Both there's there's two sides of that. There's making sure there is a, a fair place for them in the industry, but also uh, making sure that they uh, can be made aware of that and not only see the sort of stereotypical look at what our industry is like. Um, so as part of that recruitment, I'm curious if you have some advice for people just starting out in the industry. I would say I have advice for, for, for both those in the industry and those who are not in the industry. For those who are in the industry, I think as we think about the recruiting practices across the board, being willing to take a wider scoped approach than maybe some of the traditional models which have existed for asset management. As we see our industry evolve, the skill sets also need to evolve, and they have. And so we should be recruiting through that lens, uh, whether it be someone who may not have a finance background, but is a true coder, uh, who's someone who does statistical analysis, whether it be through engineering or otherwise. And looking at those individuals and those skill sets and how they can contribute to your particular firm and your particular business. Uh, I myself have been in the industry my entire career, but I didn't know anyone who'd been in industry beforehand. Uh, this was my first foray. And so my ability to use my skill sets, even as a tax attorney, and then leverage those and pivot to the next step have been monumental for me. For those who are coming into the industry, I think at this point in time, we see a lot of focus on diversity, equity, inclusion in great ways, particularly post George Floyd of 2020, and particularly because of racial equity. But what I would say to those who are coming into the industry is that this is a journey. For those of us who have been in the industry 10, 15 plus years, we know that the pivot will not happen overnight. It will come with time. I'm cautiously optimistic that we are at a turning point where there will be true catalysts for change. But I caution in terms of thinking that this is something that's going to happen uh, upended our industry and the way that we think about these things within the next six to nine months. Not going to happen. However, we all, we all, all, all have a vested interest in making sure that we continue this momentum that we saw during the pandemic and even beforehand to really make that measurable and, and meaningful change that I talked about. And it's not just on those who are new to the industry, and it's not only on just those who are part of our diverse populations, whether they be women, Black, Latinx, LGBTQ+. It is something that all of us in the industry have to embrace what the solution and the resolve is for this large and complex issue. I appreciate the answer because it highlights 
that while there is more room in the industry than it might appear for uh, different perspectives and skill sets than it might appear to an outsider or someone who isn't familiar with it. At the same time, there is still that journey and still a lot of room to grow left to to pursue. So uh, I appreciate your uh, coming coming and sitting down and talking with me so much. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. It's my pleasure to spend the afternoon with you. And I, I hope that the team and anyone listening has gained some insights from anything that I've said. And I look forward to hearing more about Nixon's Diversity Project. Well, I definitely have. Thank you. Thank you. Jamila, thank you so much for joining us today. You're currently a partner in financial services risk management at EY. Can you tell us about your path to that position and into the asset management industry in general? Absolutely, Jeff, and thanks for having me. So I began my journey into asset management uh, way back in 2003 as a first-year staff at Ernst & Young. So started right out of college, like many people do, and at that time in our forensic accounting practice. So I got to learn a ton about investigative accounting and really participate in a number of engagements across sectors and industries. During that time, one particular engagement sparked my interest that dealt with financial derivatives. So I wanted to dig deeper into just, again, financial um, products and asset management and things I really hadn't had as much exposure to um, in my accounting curriculum back in undergrad. And after that engagement, I did a couple of more engagements that were with financial services firms and actually got to work on some of these investigations with the SEC and the FBI. So during that time, getting exposed to what was available at the government agencies to be you know, career paths, I really started asking around, like, how do you, how does one become a part of the SEC exam staff? How do you get to, I mean, be in a place where you're on the other side of these engagements that I was, right, as an EY staffer? And uh, I, I dug a little deeper and started to uh, get alerts when SEC opportunities came up. And there was one that came available, an SEC compliance examiner in the Atlanta office. I applied and was very fortunate to get it and started with the SEC in 2008. So you and I know what was happening in 2008. Certainly uh, a busy time for the commission, an exciting time, and a big time of transition. So during my time there, eight and a half years, I got to work under two women chairs, Mary Shapiro and Mary Jo White, very exciting. And there was a ton of technology lift, uh, a real focus on risk-based exams and really being sure to, um, as, as an examiner, get really strong expertise around understanding asset managers, understanding their you know, pain points around all the things that you know, were critically happening during 2008. So redemptions and you know, what that meant for our firms and how they were managing that internally. Um, certainly portfolio management and investment allocations, how those processes were being done, you know, all the way through to custodians, transfer agents, and the brokerage pieces of the business. I got my arms all around that, got to really dig deeply and do exams of the alternative space, which also became a key interest for the SEC. And, and from then on, I was sold. I knew this is going to be the space I wanted to stay in. And so after that eight and a half years, I returned to EY to help our clients, which are mainly our wealth and asset management clients, solve problems that are regulatory risk compliance based and have been enjoying that for the last four and a half years. 
Can you think of an example of a coworker or an employer being inclusive that had a meaningful impact on you? Yes, I, I think again, with inclusivity, it starts for most people at the beginning of their career. There was someone who really demonstrated those attributes of being inclusive that helped you feel like you belonged in the space where you were in. So for me, there were a couple of partners that really went out of their way at EY to, to make sure I felt like I belonged and to keep me with the firm. Um, one in particular tried to get me on the most challenging engagements as a means of me proving to myself that I could really perform at a high level. And the other was really big about bringing me along to meetings, conferences, uh, galas where there would be high-powered clients in the room so I could get exposed to uh, relationship building and get to know people in the industry really early. When I think about those two partners, I think about how demonstrating um, inclusivity early is so important for young staff and seniors in the accounting space. So certainly those two examples stand out to me. And then one final one, Jeff, is actually when I was leaving EY the first time. So I remember I was so nervous to tell everyone that I wanted to go to the SEC, not sure how they would respond. Um, and one of my partners, his first response was certainly, you know, sad to hear that I was interested in leaving, um, you know, all the song and dance about I should absolutely stay and the firm would support me. And I totally believe they would have, as well as, you know, what can we do? How can we make this right? Is there any compensation we can talk about? But as we talked about earlier, Jeff, I really wanted a specific experience in asset management, and that really was going to be at the SEC. So there was nothing more that could be done. And once, you know, this partner and I kind of got to an agreement about that, he, you know, let me know the door is always open for you. I see you as a leader here. You can always come back. And then through like a really nice dinner slash party, because it, it, it went on for some hours to celebrate me leaving and going to the SEC. And, and when I think about that, right, that, that to me is another way of being inclusive. And even as I was leaving, this partner was still drawing me in, you know, holding me close to the firm and my relationships there and celebrating even my departure. So I, I think I really have had some meaningful moments with uh, some of my employers, coworkers, fellow partners um, during my time. The next thing I wanted to ask you is, what do you think is the most important change firms could make to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think to improve, you know, DEI, we have to get laser focused on leadership and creating more opportunities of leadership for women and minority leaders in the C-suite. And I know that there are a number of programs around this. There's some aggressive goals. But even building out our plans and programming more tactically, you know, to, to even further granular steps to make sure we're doing what we need to do to grow those percentages of women and minorities in the C-suite and at, you know, the partnership level, certainly for my form, firm. I think that, that DE&I has to be measurable and it has to be rewarded. So taking a step further about, you know, getting folks to the leaderships, you know, and the C-suite positions. We just have to, to champion that as an important part of our business model. So making it measurable, making it rewardable, and, and making it a part of how you know, we are viewed from a performance standpoint as leaders, 
I think is critical. And that's really one of the most important changes we can make for DE&I. And here at uh, Nix's Diversity Project North America, we're really intent on moving into the space of, of helping in that area by, by uh, building recruitment. What advice do you have for people that are just starting out in the industry? So much good advice I've received, Jeff. And, you know, we could be here for a while talking about all the tidbits. I'll try to boil down to a few things that I remember that I still say to myself and others for a source of encouragement. You know, the first piece is, you know, it gets better because you get better. And that is so true. Um, there were, there's going to be some tough projects, difficult clients, um, you know, hard internal conversations you need to have at work and certainly in this industry, um, you know, but, but you will get better and then things will get better. You will grow, you will, you will stretch, you will certainly see a part of you that you didn't know before by, you know, being a part of this very dynamic industry right now. There is so much happening. There's not a dull moment, but when you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, it, it really will get better and because you will get better. I think that the second piece of advice is be a sponge, soak up everything, read everything, take all the trainings, do all of the things, go to every event, like really immerse yourself in the industry. I, I think sometimes when we're young, we graduate from college, we're like, that's done. Like I am done learning, like no more of that. Or we may take a certification and be so excited. Okay, I've really maxed out on all the training I need and I'm settled into this space. One thing I've learned about the asset management space is that it is constantly changing and there is always something new to learn. There's a new service model, a new product, a new investment strategy, um, a new way of doing business. And you know, this space that we're in, infrastructure, manufacturing, uh, certainly all of the things that are on the ESG agenda, are becoming critically top topics, as well as data, technology, and the digital agenda. So if we stayed with the information we gathered from college days, well, we certainly wouldn't be able to keep up with what's happening. So be a sponge and soak it all up. I think the third point is know that you belong. You belong in the room. And so if you're having a moment of imposter syndrome, you know, ground yourself in what you know to be true. Remind yourself of all of your accomplishments. Think back to everything you've done. Say them out loud. Say them to others so that you can feel confident to move forward. So just know that you are right where you're supposed to be. Fourth point, Jeff, is just be excellent so that nobody can deny you. Be your best. And, you know, with COVID, we're all a little tired. We're all a bit exhausted and we're running on all cylinders. I mean, we are almost to a year for most people working remotely. And that has been challenging, but still step up with excellence. Show your best, be your best every day. And people will, will celebrate and reward you. People will open doors. So, so always bring your best. And then finally, and I love this piece of advice, you know, stay the course and enjoy the ride. You got to talk about enjoying this thing too. Like make sure that someday, some point every day, you really do enjoy the, the, the day. You enjoy what you're doing. Make it enjoyable if it's not, right? Make a point to uh, you know, make your passions fulfill you and you be a part of that happening. Don't wait for others to make it fun. You make it fun. Bring the energy.
hopefully those are some good points of advice, Jeff, um, and that they inspire us. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Jamila. It's been great having you. Thank you, Jeff. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. You're from American Century Investments, where you lead their Black Association of American Century Employees Group, which is a chapter of the Mosaic yeah. Business Resource Group. And your current business role is as a client services team lead. What was your path to that position and, and also your path into the asset management industry in general? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I would say, you know, I started a nonprofit. And uh, through that experience, I really realized that even in the world of nonprofit, money or the lack thereof still really controls everything. I mean, from the programs you run to the board, um, even to the grants that you you choose, money kind of still ran everything. So uh, that really inspired me to leave the nonprofit sector and get into finance. So I originally started in insurance. I learned so much um, in insurance, and I really saw the lack of diversity that there was in insurance um, and just in finance in general. And I decided that I wanted to learn more about investments. Uh, so that led me to American Century Investments, where I am currently a team lead. Uh, in that role, I coach our licensed representatives on how to speak to clients and how to understand their needs. Uh, I also help with recruiting, and I'm, like you said, the co-founder of BAE, which stands for our Black Association of American Century Employees. And that is a chapter of our Mosaic Business Resource Group, which was designed to support employees who are multicultural or multiracial and their allies. That's really the path that I took to get where I'm currently um, a team lead at American Century. On that path, can you think of an example of a coworker or one of your employers that was when they were inclusive and that that had a meaningful impact on you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my manager, Steve Pugh, um, he worked at American Century. And from the moment that I got here, he was just like a breath of fresh air. Um, so a little bit of back, a little bit of background. Um, he is white and I'm black, um, but he was just so supportive of the ideas that I had and my passion to really increase diversity in the industry and then also at American Century. Um, he and my mentor, Tanya Sargent, uh, have just been awesome champions of mine. Uh, they bring up my name in meetings and in conversations that I'm not in. And that type of exposure and sponsorship is just so valuable. So they have really uh, been very impactful on my career as a date and just how I feel uh, about working at American Century. What do you think is the most important change firms could make to improve diversity and inclusion? That's a really great question. I would say just be authentic and own up to the lack of diversity that there is. Uh, I think it's important to not overlook the diverse individuals that you already have um, but elevate them, elevate their voices and develop them. Their success will ultimately uh, attract more talent to your company. Uh, and also, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. You got to pay them. Diversity is shown to drastically improve companies' bottom lines. Um, and the people helping with that 
whether it's directly or indirectly, should reap the benefits of that. So put your money where your mouth is, pay them, but definitely be authentic. The points you're making, especially about uh, bringing people into the industry and the mentorship really aligns with what Nix's Diversity Project North America is is working on. We're interested in trying to find, figure out what will attract more diverse people in the industry and because we recognize that it is really a business imperative, as you were saying. So do you have uh, some advice you could share with some people that are just starting out in the industry? Absolutely. I would say get a mentor, get a sponsor, and do it fast. Do it quickly. Uh, you have to have a vision or someone you can trust that can help you navigate through the industry. I mean, there are just so many opportunities that you could miss out on if you don't know where to look or if you don't have someone helping you to see those opportunities. I know it can be really hard to find those those folks, but I guarantee you if you put the work in to find those, you know, one to two people that you really trust that maybe share your background or share your experience, it's going to pay off in a major way. Um, and it's going to help you stay in the industry long-term. So get a mentor, get a sponsor and do it fast. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. That was all so insightful. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us and coming here uh, to our podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Nixa Talk. NIXA is a trade association supporting all types of professionals within the asset management community. For information on how your firm can become a member, visit nixa.org membership. Subscribe to NIXA Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And let us know your thoughts by reviewing our podcast on iTunes and connecting with us on Twitter at NIXA News. For over 50 years, NIXA has been connecting the people of the asset management industry to share best practices. Join the conversation today at nixa.org.